Welcome to the Array Nutrition Podcast, where we partner with experts in the health, wellness, and nutrition field to deliver you an excellent variety of content based on real science, real facts, and real food. I'm your host, Aron. And I'm Nicole. And today we're having a conversation with our friends over at Stoked Athletics, Mike and Patrick. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode number 119 of the Eat Right Nutrition Podcast. Today, we have Mike and Pat, the Stoked Brogy and Pat Fitzpatrick, which, Pat, how did the name Pat Patrick Fitzpatrick come in? Like, how did that come to play? Well, um, <clears throat> my shoot name, my real life name is definitely uh, Patrick for sure. Um, and uh, in a previous life, I was a little bit heavier, as you know, and my pro wrestling name was... Uh, and actually, my real life DJing name when I was uh, younger, too, was DJ Fat Pat. And uh, I needed to find a new identity. And uh, me and a couple of uh, my wrestling buddies and such kicked around what's a good uh, stage last name. And uh, since uh, we we kicked around a ton and I forgot what the other finalists were, but uh, Fitzpatrick, Patrick Fitzpatrick became the name that we decided to run with. <laughs> and it were, And the rest is history, I guess. And the rest is uh, currently developing history. Cool. Mike, how you doing over there? Good. I'm, I'm muting myself in between because we got baby going off behind me. And <laughs> oh, boy. New new and father. How's that? It's awesome, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Has yeah. that affected? I always like to ask this question. Has that affected your training, nutrition, lifestyle? You know, I always gave I always gave parents shit when um you know, as a trainer, I'm like, come on, you can make it happen. And, uh, you know, they always said, wait till, you know, you have kids and whatever. And, um, they're wrong. I'm just as fucking on point with my training, my nutrition, they can all suck it. I'm making sick progress. Um, <laughs> the best to do it. And, uh, yeah, it hasn't really affected anything now. Um, I changed, I'll be real with you. I did change my training where I was doing five, six days a week. Um, I do four days a week. I try to keep it to an hour of training. Um, that doesn't always happen, but no. And then nutrition wise, it's like track your macros. If you, if, if you were good at tracking your macros beforehand, nothing changes. You just get better with your time management. So that's what I was going to ask you is, do you, you think there's a difference just if you start out with the habits and then you go into, I guess I'll call it like babyhood, uh, you go into babyhood after you've already established those habits, you think it's easier in your scenario versus say one of your clients who is just starting to establish those habits and has maybe infants or toddlers running around. I'm, I'm so much easier so much from like, even like, because it's not just me. It's also like my wife and like, okay, having the conversation of like, there's some people I talk to and they're like, well, we can't have two different dinners. It's like, yeah, you can. Hey, fucking Ken, you make your food and make their food. And that's it. You know, like it's crazy. It's not even just having a baby. It's just having a relationship or having, you know, a family that, uh, I mean, we've all done it probably like Daron, you probably lived in a house with your parents and you were making different dinners than what they were having. And you were track. It's the same thing. Yeah. So, different, different shopping, all that stuff. Yeah. So I think it's way easier when it's you alone and then you with significant other, and then you would significant other with child. Um, what happens when she's actually eating real food and not just breast milk and oatmeal? We'll see, but I doubt much is going to change. Yeah, I think oftentimes you get the uh, parents who are like, oh, I eat the leftover nuggets. Yeah. And, you know, in some cases, I'm like, all right, whatever. But also, like, why are you feeding your kid the nuggets to begin with? I mean, I, listen, every once in a while, it's all good. But then you have people who are making it like a daily and weekly. I'm eating my kids leftovers. I think that's where it really becomes an issue. And especially when it's like, well, you know, this is the only thing they eat. Well, <laughs> they didn't go to the store and fucking buy it. Like they didn't introduce it to themselves. But yes, I get that people are going to come back and be like, just wait. And but that's happened every step of the way. And if you have these habits put in place, you overcome it. Yeah. You know what? I also think that there's a, a piece to that where you know, if you have like a toddler who's used to eating like that and kind of getting their way and getting what they want and getting the hyper palatable foods it's harder to go in reverse. So I think a lot of those people are speaking from that standpoint of, well, I've already created these habits. I've created this monster basically that yeah. just will cry and kick and scream 
until they get French fries and chicken nuggets uh, versus I think, or what I hope uh, will happen for you is you already have the established uh, habits. You pass those on to your kids and, you know, they grow up with some, some better habits to begin with. I think that's what really happens. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. So uh, for for our audience here, we got baby in the background. For our audience here, uh, Mike is the owner. Is it co-owner? Do you have other owners in the gym? Like, what's the deal with that? Yeah, you met uh, one of them, Gaspar. So I have two co-owners. Um, it started just me. And then when we moved into the facility we're in now, one of my long-term clients and bookkeeper invested, and that's Lauren, and she's our CFO. And then last year, Gaspar came into the business because I was seeking out a partner strategically for um certain roles in the gym that i didn't want to do and i'm not good at doing and then he came into play and he invested and now there's three of us how is it having three people versus uh just you it's awesome because i think when you play to the strengths it, it makes your life easier so for instance are you familiar with um gina wickman and the book traction at all i'm not Nicole, you're shaking. Yep. Yeah, you are right. So entrepreneurial operating system. It's just like a way to structure your business in it. There's the top person at the top, which is usually the founder of the company, which I am, which is visionary. And that's the person who is more emotional. It's more like big picture driven. It's all like the dreaming and all that stuff. And then there's the person under them, which is the integrator. And they're the more day-to-day objective, um, you know, just get shit done person. And that's what I needed. Um, so having Gaspar sit in and be that person and then breaking out into the C-suite, which is like CEO, CFO, COO, I'm CEO, which is like, I make the executive decision at the end of the day, Lauren is CFO. She does the finances and then he's COO operations and he handles the team and everything. So if you have a good structure, it makes sense. And the right people are in the right roles. Yes. Um, it also helps to have percentages laid out where one person, which is me in this case has final say of things. I've never even had like veto anything, but like, I know people who are in 50, 50 business partnerships and it's like, well, that's just fights waiting to happen. Somebody needs to be able to override, you know? So where does, uh, where does Patrick come in and all this? How did he enter the realm of Stoked Athletics? So I started training wrestlers. Um, I started training wrestler, uh, VSK (laughs) and, um, he was a buddy from powerlifting days and I was working with him and then, uh, you know, he kind of came to me and was like, can you help me with my wrestling stuff? And I've worked at sports performance facilities. So like, I know how to train athletes and wrestlers are just this weird, like mixture of athlete meets bodybuilder. Cause you got to be able to train them for their aesthetics, but you got to train them for their athleticism too. So I started working with him. He saw progress. He starts referring people past one of the people he referred, um, and then maybe a year into working together, the podcast came about, I think. Around then, Pat. Yeah, it was just about it was just about a year in now, uh, a year into us working together and us kind of being like minded in the sense that uh we want to create a little bit more of a platform that could reach a few more ears, a few more eyes and things of that nature. And we're about uh what are we? episode ninety one went up today, so we're about almost two years in now. So uh, yeah, you know, and as Mike said, I, I made my weight loss progress before Mike. Uh, uh, my big weight loss journey happened pre-Mike, and then I was not very uh, well-rounded in weightlifting yet, and I went to our mutual friend, uh, VSK, and I was like, hey, you're good at growing muscles. I want to grow muscles, and he was like, cool, and for about... 10 months to a year, I was working with VSK, who is a self-admitted, like, I'm not a trainer, but like, you know, I do know a thing or two. And after about that 10 months to a year, he was like, you know what? You, you're really dedicated to this. You really, you, you should pivot to this because I can always be helpful to you. But, you know, if you really want to get to know stuff and you want to get, make real progress, uh, this is a place to go. And uh, it was Stoked Athletics and it was with Mike and... Yeah. And then that, and then me and Mike kind of just, you know, uh, just started talking and through our talking, my background's in broadcasting and I've been working in television now for almost 14 years. So these are stuff I studied and I knew, I knew how to get the podcast off the ground. I know how to handle the day to day. I know how to handle the, the creative like outline of things. So 
uh, it kind of was just a, a very lucky marriage, right place, right time and stuff like that. You know, uh, guys who are, have a foundation and study and are the fitness professionals. I'm somebody who's kind of went through it and made a major life change. So it kind of just made sense to us to like, oh, this is a really good like layout of what, of what we can be and what the show can, can reach. Yeah. And it's an excellent podcast. Formerly the, uh, some days off podcast and now the no longer novice now what, which is very long to say, or is it just no longer novice? You're missing it. No longer novice. Now what? A fitness podcast. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And uh, for anybody listening to this, go check them out on the no longer novice. Now what? A fitness podcast. Nailed it. Um, They're definitely way funnier than we are. So if if you're looking (laughs) for a more chill, relaxed, like good information with like a nice vibe, nice spin to it. Definitely excellent podcast. I don't remember which number I was on, but go check that one out first. Um, (laughs) But I also do. Well, so there's two things that I want to say, Patrick, I do want to get into your uh, your fat loss journey and where that began and all that stuff. But before we do that, I want to know where some days off came from. Oh, so to give a background on it, it was called the some days off show, but that was only because some days off has been this thing that, you know, has been a part of stoked athletics now for three or four years. Um, and it literally was just me and my buddy, Matt, who at the time was like a partner in stoked. He was, we started kind of like, we didn't start as this, but we kind of developed into this online powerlifting brand, uh, for a while where we were coaching people and going to nationals and worlds and all this stuff. Um, and powerlifting is inundated with that hardcore, like no days off bullshit mentality. So we were just, you know, being the contrarians uh, that we are and like just poking fun at it. And we started, I was like, we should just make a shirt that says some days off. And we made one and we did a pre-order and within like the first year it pulled in like $10,000 as like a joke. And I was like, okay, that has some, this could float, this could be something. So then, uh, since I've been grown stoked, it's just another thing that like, we just constantly always had to reorder these shirts and people were always buying them from all over. And then last year I finally trademarked it and spun it off into its own brand now, which is just some days off apparel. And that's been growing now, but that's how it started. And I don't know. It's fun. It's people always are just like, nice, you know, they get it. People who yeah. get it, get it. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's, it's that counter to, I, I mean, listen, I think it's an important message too, though. I think we are mm-hmm. constantly bombarded with this kind of like a, uh, you know, work, 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 sleep when you're dead kind of mentality. And in fitness, we definitely know better than that because, you know, that's what leads to injuries, lack of recovery. You're not really going to build much muscle. Um, a lot of information about, you know, sleep and just overall health and wellness and fat loss strategies and things like that. So I do think it's overall an important message. And the more you can spread that message, the better it is because recovery is everything. Yeah. And the people who tout no days off, you typically see them fall off so hard. And then it's like four months later on Instagram, you see them like first day back in a few months, blah, 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 blah. And then they, another month later, they're back on the no days off thing. And it's like, okay, you don't see the pattern here. You don't see what's happening. Yeah. Uh, maybe try and take a day off and you'll, you, maybe you, you won't take a month off. Yeah, exactly. Cause I can't, I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't know the last, I, I don't think I've ever taken a month off of training since I started when I was 18. I'm over that whole idea. <laughs> a month off would drive me crazy. <laughs> I don't know if I ever, dude, I don't need, I, I could count on probably two hands the amount of times I've taken one week off, you know, like with a flu or something. Even when I had COVID, dude, it was like the, the five day period in that six day, I was like back in the gym. I've taken a week off. No, I've never. Fi- finals week, man. It's like, I'm in the cave. <laughs> I'm not coming out of here. It's for yeah, a week. But you care, you cared about school and stuff. <laughs> like i went to i went to school for history yeah well so how'd you end up in fitness if you went to school for his, history how did that happen um equinox no 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 it was in college junior year i had finished my thesis i really wanted to do stuff with history and then i was going to go into law but junior year i finished my thesis and everything and i had all my major stuff done and I just needed credits to graduate. So I was in a fraternity and we had something called a filing cabinet that had every test that anybody ever took with all the answers on it. So it was like, okay, I need credits, flip through what 
subject do I want to take to, you know, I know I'm going to get an A because we're just going to fucking cheat the whole time, basically. Um, and there was personal training and a bunch of the, you know, we all lifted. So a bunch of me and my brothers were like, let's take this class. So we took it and I just fell in love with it. And first semester, I was like, I want to do this. That was my first semester of senior year. Second semester, I took the 102 or whatever it was to get the ACE certification. But I also TA'd three of her classes and interned in two internships where I was like at different gyms in the area, like training people, whatever. And then 10 days out of graduation, I got a job at Equinox. And that's where I met you, Daron. But yeah, so it was just very haphazard. I told my parents, I was like, I'm just going to give it a try. And if this doesn't work, I'll go like apply to law school or something. But it, it went all right. It's working, I guess you can say. Yeah. Yeah, it's doing all right. You know, 10K and t-shirts, it's all good. Yeah. So 10K was the original t-shirt. It's doing at least 11 now. You guys can't <laughs> you guys can't see Mike over here through the uh, microphone, but if you picture like a younger, um, maybe smaller, better looking version Mike of no, I was gonna oh. say uh uh what's his first name? Hormazi. Oh, Alex Hermazi. I'll take Alex that. Hermazi. You got he's the mustache jacked. thing going on. Yeah, and I like his stuff. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> he's he's cool. He's definitely made a mark in this industry. He's definitely doing well right now. Yeah. So Patrick, talk to me about the, the I want to go in hard on this uh fat loss journey of yours. Yes, sir. Where did it start? Why did it start? Like, what's the deal with that? <sighs> let's see. Um well, how much weight oh. did you lose? Let's let's start with that. All right. Uh so my highest weight was 490 pounds. That was the highest scaled weight that I that I can confirm. I even tattooed that number on my body. I uh, I successfully got down all the way to 190, um, completely unsustainably to 190. <laughs> my body, it my body got down to like 205, and I and I was like awesome. And then I uh, distinctly remember I got onto this really um, uh, terrible show where I was working like 20 hours a day like seven days a week and I wasn't eating and I wasn't doing any of this, but my body just like lost some, some weight. And then after the show was over, I was like 194 and I was like, mm, well, I got to lose this next four pounds to say I, I lost 300 pounds in my life. And uh, losing that four pounds was like the hardest thing ever. And I was just like, I just need this scale to say 190. I just need to take this picture, got the picture. And then I've ever since then kind of just at, just uh hung around 210 215 around there but it all kind of starts when i um realized i was 490 pounds and i was like oof that's a lot bigger than i ever thought always played sports uh played high school football played college football got into wrestling just had some terrible eating habits and um started losing weight before i moved to los angeles cuz i did move to los angeles in my life uh, and then when I got out of here in Los Angeles and moved away, I, um, got away from a lot of my old habits. You know, my, my, uh, it's funny, Mike was talking about it just earlier in this episode that, um, uh, you know, like don't introduce highly palatable foods to your toddler or your baby or blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I, I, I joke about it a lot, but it is serious that like my family, my Italian New York city long island family definitely instilled habits in me that i had to get away from and i was on a journey of losing weight so i lost about i went from 490 to about 350 in about a two to three year period and then i just decided you know what i'm going to take a before picture on a january 14th a year later i took another one and i went from that i went from 340 to 205 in that one calendar year and that's kind of, and that's how the journey kind of really came full circle was just kind of stepping out of the life that was put me in the situation, get new habits and, and, uh, kind of, I've reentered every aspect of that life. Now I moved back, I moved back to New York, but it, it took a moment to, to kind of step away and then just like reinstill new habits. Nicole, I know you got a lot to ask here. I so. have so many questions. This is where I'll <laughs> jump in just simply because first of all, fantastic job in losing such an incredible amount of weight. Thank you. Um, really, that's so impressive. And so my questions start from what were some of the biggest challenges from a mindset standpoint? Because you talked earlier about changing your identity. And I often wonder if that's something that you struggled with in creating the behavior changes. So I, um, when I was young, 
Fat Pat was was my nickname. It was a welcomed nickname, you know, like a PHAT. It became who I became as a mm-hmm. DJ. It became who I was known as on the football team. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still have friends to this day who in their phone, I am Fat Pat still. So like definitely, I definitely carved out a comfort zone in it. Yes. Um, I also was an offensive lineman. Uh, part of being an offensive lineman in football is being big. There's no other way to be an offensive lineman besides being a big dude, that part. And then I left football and became a wrestler where I continued the name on. So my identity was very much wrapped up in it. And uh, I do have distinct memories of people post football in my wrestling life. Tell me like, oh, be careful about losing your weight. Otherwise, who would you be? Yes. Yes. And that happens for sure. And, um, you know, I was over 400 pounds. So like I could stand to lose a few pounds and still get by as being fat pad. I knew that at that time, which is why the journey started at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like it definitely was, uh, as I look back now, uh, I definitely think fat pat was a comfort zone thing. Like it was a way to enter and make this okay for me. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, no, you know, no regrets doing it. Uh, it certainly was, I enjoyed playing football. I, I, you know, played at a pretty good level considering, considering I didn't put in the, all the hard work I needed to put in off the field, but I played at a pretty good level. So no regrets there, you know, but I definitely think my, my younger self built a wall up for sure. What was the defining moment? Like, were, were you having health issues? Was it just something you felt like you needed to do? I often wonder what that initial, you know, mindset shift is. And then did you just start changing habits on your own? Was it stuff? Did, did you get seek help, health or blah, 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 help a coach or someone to help you along? Uh, yeah. So um, no health issues. Uh, I have distinct memories of when I was younger. Uh, doctors literally telling me like you're you're healthier than the average person who walks through my door. Like mm. it's it's actually fascinating. Uh, but if and then I also remember when the shoe dropped in the conversation. But if you don't lose this weight, you absolutely will not yeah. stay this healthy. So I was fortunate in that regard for sure. I I always had a thing that my weight was um, useful or it was meant for a purpose. Like yes. I was playing football, I was wrestling, I was again justifying. Uh, no one needs to be four hundred and ninety pounds, but I certainly was building it in my head like you know like oh what kind of football player would you be i also like awkwardly it's gonna sound funny saying this but like i was built like a football so a lot of my weight was in my hips and my and my butt and my and my hamstrings so like a lot of it was legitimately behind me so i never thought i was that big until one day i weighed myself because my weight was getting so big that every time i'd go for a physical the doctor would just be like well you know you're big so i don't need to weigh you right you know you need to lose weight and it became a, as I got into my twenties, it became mm-hmm. just a, we all get it. You need to change your habit. You know that why embarrass you? And mm-hmm. so I didn't know what the number was until, um, and then, uh, what ended up happening was I seeked, um, some bariatric surgery options mm-hmm. and that's where I got my actual legitimate weight because they have a scale that can accommodate. And I actually went through and got the lap band, but. Uh, the doctor's surgery uh, required me to get from 490 to 450 on my own on my own accord, mm-hmm. uh, which I did. Uh, we got the we got the lap band in, and um, and then a series of unfortunate events or hilarious events, however you want to put it. Uh, two months after it got put in me, the doctor fell off my uh, insurance. So uh, I it's ne- it, it got put in me. It's never been adjusted or tightened or loosened. Uh, I go once a year out of pocket just to make sure it, it, it's safe. It's still in there. I probably can remove it now. In fact, my, my wife would love to, if it got removed at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it go, I go once a year to make sure everything is copacetic and everything is safe with it. Uh, but it's never been tightened. So um, I, I credit it a lot. I mean, I lost the 40 pounds without it. It got in it. It got put in me. I lost another handful of weight with it. And then... I kind of had to start, all right, well, you know, it costs an arm and a leg just to have them stick you to adjust, adjust the size of it. Mm -hmm. So maybe you need to start figuring this out on your own. And that's, that's really what it came down to. I just started to kind of figure it out on my own. 
Uh, it was hard to deal with my family uh, at first because, you know, like you can make two dinners. Well, my father didn't see it that way always, <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, uh, you're not going to make what we cook. How dare you? Uh, a lot of guilt trips that I'm not eating enough at dinners for what that is such a typical Italian family. <laughs> Hell yeah, it is. Hell yeah. Let me tell you. Uh, so a lot of stuff like that, like, um, mm -hmm. you know, so it was definitely wrapped up in who I was and all that good stuff. You know, it's interesting. You, you know, there's a few things. There's a lot to unravel there. Yeah. So first and foremost, the support piece obviously is important and probably I would assume makes it more made it more difficult when you have other people around you that, you know, aren't necessarily maybe as supportive as you feel they should be or could be. I don't think it, it's no real big surprise to me that the weight loss came once I was out away from everybody. Um, and I, you know, I, we, we've all embarked in businesses on our own and whatnot. Like, you know, when you start that, it's that same process when you start something, a start or a business, start something that somebody just doesn't understand. They make fun of you in the beginning until there's actual tangible like results, you know, right. like, and then suddenly everybody's like, Oh my God, this is amazing. But it was like, man, you made it really fucking hard in the beginning though. <laughs> Let me tell you, you know, <laughs> you were making fun of me. You were saying, I don't understand what you're doing, you know? So it's, it's, it's very similar to that. The bariatric surgery piece. It's like you, you have to lose the weight anyway, and you have to develop some kind of habits to lose that. What was it? The first 40 pounds. Uh, yeah, it was 40 pounds. My, uh, my, my mom is famously, uh, quoted like at the doctor and the people like you're telling me my obese son is too obese for this obese surgery. So that, that was what she said. And I was like, the, mom, I got this. I'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. Don't worry. But I also think there, I mean, there are protocols for this stuff, right? So for bariatric yeah. surgery, like they have to meet with a dietitian, they have to try other things. They have to talk to a psychologist. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, like how does that process work? Thir 13 doctors. Uh, you have to complete 13 different visits uh, or at least my doctor required that. So like the time to lose the weight was built in. Like you just can't walk into the bariatric surgeon and say, I want to do this. And they'll be like, great. Next Monday. Sound good. No, it's a uh, great. You want to do this. All right. We think you're a good candidate for these reasons. We're doctor one of 12. You need approval for before you can. Mm -hmm. And psychologists, dietitians, cardiologists, you know, and the list just goes on and on. And I, and it was, you know, like three solid months of uh, going up and down to these doctors to, to make sure, you know, I was a good candidate, both mentally, physically, and internally, I can handle, a, a, an elective surgery like this. You know, at that point, you got to really want it that bad. And yeah. I mean, to me at that point, it's like, well, if you want it that bad, you just, you, that's almost equivalent to changing your habits at that point. Like the amount of hoops that you have to jump through in order to get the surgery, you know, I almost kind of feel like, if you're going to lose the weight, you have to build the, the, the habits to lose the weight. Like you okay, you lost the first 40. Just keep going. Yeah. I, um, the last doctor I I met with was the psychologist. Cause I was like, ugh, that sounds awful. Uh, <laughs> at the time I was like, that sounds awful. Talking about my feelings and shit with a complete stranger. But by the time I got there, she was like, oh, wow, you've done everything. And I was like, yeah. And like, after like three minutes talking to me, she's like, listen, we need to keep talking for the hour, but just so you know, you you're, you're every, everything looks great and your head seems really straight about this so uh you know as long as you don't walk out in the next like 55 minutes like you'll get my approval and i was like oh great and then we just kind of bs for a while and then she was like huh could you ever what, what what to you is the ultimate goal and i was like man if i could ever see myself around like 260 that would be amazing and you know i ended up blowing right past that number which is uh pretty great yeah see i feel like all of your athletic background and your discipline in that carries through to a goal, whatever goal you set for yourself. That's what it sounds like anyway. Yeah. You know, one of my big issues when I was younger was uh, whenever I was between the lines or in the wrestling ring, I always gave it a hundred percent. Like practice was always a hundred percent endeavor. Um, but when I stepped away, the other stuff didn't quite fall in place. Mm. And um, it took a minute, but like once that, mindset of like what I had about the practice uh, became like, well, okay, I got a same discipline when it comes to my eating, same discipline when it comes to the gym. Uh, yeah. And now like 
it's it's way different now but back in the day um I, i've i've said this story on our podcast where college recruits came down for football and like i had i had you know no no major programs but programs were, would be like hey if you just want to come to school and try out for the team you're probably going to make it and you might even play and i'm like cool is there like a scholarship attached to what you're offering me right now they went absolutely not you don't put enough work in off the field my guy and uh, they were absolutely right at that time for sure <laughs> so the other piece that i want to talk about was the the visit to the doctor where you know you're heavier obviously than you were now and the doctor goes you're fine now and yes. then follows up with but if you continue down this path you know x y and z this is where I think, and uh, Mike, I think you can chime in here too. I don't know what you guys feel. I don't. Are you guys familiar with Healthy at Every Size? Uh, yes, I, so I, there's I, I definitely am. Kind of like the whole movement around Healthy at Every Size that you know you don't necessarily have to be unhealthy if you're ob obese or on the fatter side. Which I the message, you know. So I remember during 2020, I read an article that Canada was trying to change the dialogue in uh, doctors' offices, where they were talking about doctors not focusing on people's weight and just looking at lab values. And so the first thing that I immediately thought when I read this article was like, "Yeah, okay, you have a 20-something-year-old or a 30-year-old walking into the doctor's office, and the doctor's like, oh, well, you're fine as long as you're healthy and your lab work is good.'" But then exactly that conversation is what's going to happen 10, 20, 30 years down the road if you continue to have that excess weight. I just want to kind of get a feel for your thoughts on on that whole concept. Um, so I, I know when I was a teenager, I didn't I never reacted well to any of that. Um, part of that is this is going to sound so stupid. Uh, the doctor was overweight telling me. So I uh, immediately my brain was whatever, dude. Like I'm literally looking at a dude that is minimum looking back now. He was like 330 pounds, but like my brain immediately was just like, ah, like I need this advice from you. At the time, my identity was wrapped in who I was at being big like that. I was popular at, at school because I was fat Pat, one of the best linemen on the team. Like, so like at the time, absolutely not like, like whatever, man. Uh, the first time I really noticed like the doctor stuff was when they were just like, let's not weigh you, you know, like, like when it was just accepted, like, let's just not weigh you. You're overweight. You don't need to hear this. That was like the first time I was like, oh shit. Like, am I that heavy that like, we're not even going to do this. Like, we're not even going to mm. go through this anymore. Am I that far gone? Um, like that was when it started like, you know, clicking in my head. And even, even as a high school or college, you know, like, I would see bigger people in their forties who couldn't get around very well. And I was like, I won't be like that. Didn't really know how I was going to not be like that. But like, I, I always played in my head, like, that's one of those things I won't be really. It, it took until like doctors tell like doctors not weighing me for me to like have my, my head turn. So I, I, I think it's dangerous to, to, to ignore like the fact, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, hey, man, here's a gun. The safety's not on, but why don't you just hold it? Like, it's kind of like one of those things. It's like, yeah, it's not inherently dangerous, this gun without the safety on it right now. It's not inherently dangerous until it goes off. But like, if it's just hanging out with the safety off, odds are it, it it's going to get knocked over. You're going to by accidentally hit the trigger. Like something could really bad happen. It's like, yeah. you know, take the bullet out of the chamber, put the safety on. There's a million different ways to go about it. But uh like not like withholding what is clearly the inciting incident to something worse seems like making building walls to make you feel better about your situation. Can I you ask ex the exact um, what is healthy at every size? Because I have an idea of what that means. But so healthy at every size. I mean, there's a body of research to quote unquote support it. Whether or not I agree with, I mean, there's a body of research to probably support a lot of things that I don't agree with, right? But healthy at every size is just basically that. It's the concept of. Uh, you can be obese and healthy. You can be at any size. This is literally the implication. You can be at any size and be, it's a, it's a body positivity movement, essentially. From a, okay. So can, can it, can you, from your opinion, can you be healthy at any size? Not saying statistically, like more people are less likely to be healthy at certain sizes, but like, can somebody at any size be healthy? 
I think it depends. I think there are a lot of factors that will go into there are genetic factors that you have to look at with the individual. Where is the fat distributed? Right? Is there, you know, kind of like uh, um, uh, visceral adiposity versus in the hips and thighs? Like, where are you storing the fat? Are you active? Are you just generally a bigger person? And you are you active? You're doing the things that that you need to be doing, and just inherently genetically speaking, uh, you may just be naturally a heavy person, right? We've all seen those people, mm-hmm. right? Those people that just, you're just a bigger person. You're never going to be a smaller person. So that individual, I do think there is like, hey, you can be healthy. But I think the message, just like everything else, I think it becomes kind of skewed and it becomes exaggerated into this whole thing where, you know, it starts at a cultural level. People are just uncomfortable with, being, I guess, fat shamed. Right. And then it ends up being like, all right, well, you, here's some research to support it. But when you look at the data, you're kind of like, ah, like statistically speaking, if you're obese, obese, there's no question in my mind that you're headed down. It's a ticking time bomb. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I, th- yeah. I think that's like the answer is that can you be healthy at any size? Yes. But it's gonna you won't be soon because like if i was part of this study at 21 the answer would have been yes see this 21 year old can be healthy at any size you know i played on football teams with kids with asthma who i guess at that time i'd be considered healthier since we don't consider being obese unhealthy in these studies uh which is kind of crazy um but that's the answer to can you be healthy at a at at any size, yes, but will you be for the long term? More than likely, I would say no. But I guess you would know the research more than me, Daron, for sure. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think if you look at data on where fat is stored, and if you have upper body obesity, that's linked to uh, um, insulin resistance, which is linked to type two diabetes. If you're obese, you have a higher risk for certain types of cancer. You have an inflammatory, like obesity is an, is an inflamed state, right? It creates an inflammatory environment in your body, which creates chaos for other things, right? You uh, have injury to the vasculature, right? To the to the cardiovascular system. You end up with hyperlipidemia, uh, hypercholesterolemia. You end up with too much cholesterol in the system, triglycerides, right? So all of these things, eventually they'll catch up. That's always my point with the message of healthy at every size is that I think people take things way out of context and it's almost this counter to it comes from kind of diet culture where we say, hey, we're trying to it, it's we see this everywhere. Right. We see this polarization. We see uh, a perfect example of that would be carnivore diet as a counter to veganism. Right. And it's we we look at that with the same the same thing that we're looking at here is, oh, well, diet diet culture created chronic dieters. So we're going to go far away from chronic dieters and we're going to say, hey, you know what? You could be healthy at every size. It doesn't matter. So at least that's t- how that's how I view it. Your take is, and maybe I'm not summing this up correctly, but healthy at every size until it's not. Like at some point, it's just not. I think there are some uh, some exceptions to the rule mm-hmm. that you can, like absolutely there can be an individual out there that is healthy at, at a larger size. But I think statistically speaking, this is where you get into research. research. Research will say, in general, if you're obese, you will be unhealthy. That's fair. Yeah, I think it's a bummer when uh, people, like, they chase being the exception over trying to, like, you know, like, be the don't be the exception that proves the rule, like, like especially on, like, things that, like, you generally can't control. Uh, you know, be the, be, follow the steps of which is laid out that is clearly the best path because like, you know, I'm in my thirties now. I have knee problems. I do. It's, you know, I'm definitely athletic and all that stuff, but like, it's, it's definitely linked to the fact that I spent more than half of my life to this point being well over my, well over overweight and considerably obese. Is that considered healthy? Sometimes I, sometimes I, I Mike can tell, Mike can tell you, we've been training for three years that there are times where I can't, I I've came in like, dude, I can't even bend this knee anymore for the next month. And, um, you know, that, that's certainly not scientific to say healthy, but is that what a 
34 year olds should be going through? Probably not. Right. So, you know, like that's something that could happen also. Yeah. I mean, you know, listen, being the exception to the rule, like I want to be an under six foot Jewish basketball player and I just want to pick up basketball right now. Like I want to be the exception to the rule of people that could, couldn't do it at this, at, at this stage in their life. And you know what I'm saying? Like I, the chances are of me doing that are slim to none, just like the chances of somebody being obese and healthy. It's not going to be uh, a very often. And we see that statistically speaking, when we see large cohorts of people in research. And I guess you can't ever really do like a uh, long-term study on it anyway. The adherence and you can do population studies uh, where you just basically you're not doing a randomized control trial. You're doing a no. cohort study where you're just following people over a life. I mean, every week, Nicole, we talked about that in the last uh, episode. We talked about NHANES, which yeah. is a cohort, a large cohort. And every uh, country like the um, UK Biobank has a cohort of a few million people that they follow. But they're following up with like phone calls, questionnaires, they yeah, go online, it's... they fill out like what their typical eating is like, and maybe they do it once a year. You're never going to get like accurate, accurate data. But it's what impossible. you will get, what you will get from these people is you'll get their BMI and you'll get long term trends on their health. But that even brings up the issue. Like, I mean, you know, blue zones. Right. And like there's debate now whether or not is it even the diet that's causing blue zones to be blue zones or is it the fact that it's like a tight knit community? Like, how do you even, you know contrast the two it's it's you, you don't right study it's, it. it's also like the china study right what they did with the china study that was never finished because the researcher the guy who started the, the study never finished it but essentially he was trying to say okay well what's the most optimal diet and then the vegan community actually took that and said oh look all these people eat fucking plants and they are the most healthy people on the planet i'm like well first of all it's correlation it's not you can't really come to that conclusion a and b the study was never finished. You're just taking unfinished data and putting it together and it's kind of fitting your narrative. Yeah. And you're starting from your narrative and working back anyway. Yeah. yeah you're cherry picking. Yeah. It's confirmation bias to say the least. Absolutely. So Mike, I want to ask you this. Where, where's the future of as uh well, actually a couple of things. I want to ask you, how was, uh, how was COVID as a gym owner for myself or like navigating through Navigating yeah. through the through the business and and, and stuff pretty, like that. Pretty easy, not really stressful at all. Just, uh... <laughs> it must be the exception to the. There we go, the exception to the rule, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. It was hell, um, and it happened five months after we opened our doors, so that was fun. But I had the advantage of being a broke new gym owner who didn't know what's right or wrong. So it was just like, well, we're going to throw everything at this and see what sticks and be, you know, lack of resources leads to more resourcefulness. So we were fucking super resourceful. And at the time it was only me and another coach. And that was it. It was me and one coach. And we just went through it. You know, there's so many stages of it now looking back of like, okay, first it was the week that we closed and it's like, right, we're just going to be closed for two weeks. What do we do? Mm -hmm. And then when we realize it's probably gonna be three months and then it's not three months, it's over a year. And then it's all these different things. And it was a lot. It was definitely a lot, but we grew, we grew over it. So can't and complain. You, you guys recently just expanded the space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. September. What is the future? What does the future look like? Are you going to take things online? Like what's going on there? We're already online and I've always been online um, on the back end. Um, like I said, we developed at one point into an online powerlifting company basically. And then that morphed into me training more people online uh, in person. And then that, you know, then I was like, all right, let me get a space and all that stuff. Um, but you know, like right now, personally, I only do online training with professional wrestlers and we even have now an online group that's, you know, $50 a month and everybody gets the same program through train heroic and that's all wrestlers. And that's a little over 50 of them now on there. And because that's doing well enough and we have our systems built out, um, we've expanded that now into on in December, we're launching one for like our main demographic at Stoked, which is just the active adult. So the adult who plays in, you know, the recreational leagues or goes hiking or whatever, and one for um, first responders as well. So we're always branching out. We've always been online, but you know, that's obviously happening long term. Dude, I don't know. If you tell, ask me every year and I have a different answer of what Stoker looks like long-term. Currently, it's just, I think small group personal training is my favorite business model for training people. I think it's the funnest 
and it's the one I enjoy the most. So I think sticking with that and maybe just expanding. I mean, I've got a lot while we're talking right now, I'm just pulling up websites of other gyms I really like and seeing their websites. And there's one in Jersey. And I'm like, see, they do small group personal training so well. And I love their layout. And it's like, maybe I'll do that one day, you know, like steal <laughs> their layout. They're probably like 5,000, 6,000 square feet or about 3,000. But yeah, I don't know. It, dude, it's like, what's the future beat, right? <laughs> you, you don't know. Yeah. You know what I plan? And it's like that expression you plan and God laughs. Yeah. Because uh, I I tend to plan things and they go in like the complete opposite direction, which of course. I end up I, and I and I end up like I you all, I always think in my head that I'm going to like this is it it has to be this direction this is what I want this is my vision, but then I'm like I'm not even disappointed when it goes it just organically just goes in another direction and then you're just like all right cool perfect example my initial vision and Nicole I'm gonna put you on the spot here my <laughs> initial vision for eat right was i'm going to build out this instagram page and i'm going to have multiple people on the end so i started naturally i started with myself and nicole and i'm going to have all these different faces on the page you know one person's going to educate about this maybe i'll have like a gut health expert I'll, I'll do all these different people all these different faces and i never intended on the instagram just being me but nicole basically told me to go fuck myself <laughs> i'm not getting in front of the camera so with that being said i was like all right I got to find somebody else to be on the camera, which I recently did. And I'm going to be launching that, you know, coming up soon. And we've got some ideas. Honestly, I I had initially just like, hey, I, I want to feed the coaching business. Uh, but now the picture is a lot bigger than just the coaching business. I'm like, okay, entertainment, infotainment, right? Like, how can we push out content? Because I think content is probably going to be the future of it, right? Yeah. And it's funny, like you have these ideas of like, I can tell you what I would like to do. And then you start doing it. And then it's like, oh, this is a terrible business model. There's no way I could sustain this. And you're like, all right, well, how can I do this while making money actually? And in a way that helps people still. And then you, you know, who knows what the future is, man. I'm going to keep doing it. Who knows? Oh, you know, maybe I don't train people anymore. Maybe in the future I'm a slumlord or um, <laughs> a CEO. Some, I don't know. Start, start a paint company. There you go. Yeah. Or you just become the protege of Alex Ormazi. Yeah. Or <laughs> my wife crushes it and I'm a stay at home dad. There you go. That's what I was heading for. And then you just get to stay home. And yeah, uh, you, you can't. Stuff you, like that. I can't ever see you just being a stay at home dad. No, I way. was going to say, would you be content with that? Not no a way. goddamn chance. <laughs> I was like, no, no way. No way. This guy, this no. guy can't sit still. You know, no way. <laughs> One more thing before we wrap up here. I want to just talk a little bit about the nutrition philosophy at Stoked Athletics. How do you handle that? What do you guys teach? What, what's going on with that? Yeah. Historically, it's been back and forth between do we offer nutrition coaching? Should we? Are we the right people for that? We have frameworks built out and we have blog posts and we have, it's, it's basically like a um, guided educational journey for people where it's like, hey, we have these blog posts, read them. If you need more info, like we have nutrition or dietitians that we'll refer you to. Um, you know, I have pretty in-depth blog posts about learning how to count macros and use the app that we like, which is Macro Factor. Um, and you could use code stoked for two weeks free. Thanks. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so, no, we have all that stuff, right? And it's, it's basically like, there's no real coaching, but I think we get around that by number one, the main demographic are people who might not need coaching for nutrition. It's again, the average adult who just likes to be active. And it's like, eat like an adult most of the time, you know what that means. Here's portion guides, precision nutrition style, eat this much protein, fat, carbs, yada, yada, yada. Uh, some people want body composition goals and then you have to teach them about tracking macros and stuff. But again, it's more of a guided education thing where I'm just sending them stuff. And if they choose to do it, they choose to do it. If not, they're not coming to stoke for that. They're coming for training. So um, we are sitting down though and figuring out, because we do have a coach on board who is precision nutrition certified. So just having something because there's, you know, sometimes you give people the educational component and they might not put it into action the way that it needs to be. And then they might sit back and feel like they didn't get what they were paying for. And I hate that feeling. So I want something there that's like, hey, like, it's going to be expensive. Nutrition coaching is going to be really fucking expensive because if you want to actually make it happen, you're going to have to pay for it. But if not, the same exact information without the coach guiding you is right here and you could do it for free. So that's your choose your adventure there. So that's probably where we're going to go with it. Yeah. I mean, I think to think that 
you can't do it. You, I mean, you've seen what's out there in the world right now with all the dogmatic bullshit that people are preaching online. Like you can definitely do something in the nutrition realm. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's better that, dude, we've had clients who were like, no, we don't do that. And then they go to somebody and it's like, here's the red cabbage diet. You eat red cabbage only for three oh, weeks. God. And it's like, what the <laughs> fuck? Is that a thing? Was that a real conversation? Uh, not with a client, actually. <laughs> that was actually with one of Chelsea's relatives. She did the red cabbage diet. Better you than know. the cookie diet. Yeah, we de- we definitely talked about it on our podcast too. It's so <laughs> bad. It's so bad. I've never. It's so bad. I've never heard of it. It's dude, and it was like I lost all this weight, and I fucking bet you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You ate nothing but cabbage. You probably yeah. shit yourself too. Yeah. yeah. Generally, on the podcast, we're we're pretty like um any sort of like restricted di- restrictive diet of food groups is like a is an immediate no no to us. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they, we, we do get listeners and I, I, and people in our, in our sphere that kind of yell at us about like, well, you guys always talk about counting calories and macros. Like what else can you tell me? And it's like, well, I mean, that's like the thing. And you know, some people get upset by it, but you know, I like the idea of like people come to me all the time and say, when's your cheat meals? And I, I can't tell you the last time I scheduled a cheat meal per se, because if I want something, I just have it. And before I really knew how to count my macros and my calories, yeah, maybe my day would have, I would go over my allotments of stuff. But now that I know how to actually do that, like I can eat just about anything and still by bedtime, I'm right where I need to be for the day. So like, that's just uh kind of like a, it's information that I wish I knew back when, but like it's now, and it took years and years and years of understanding just, just for that simple mindset switch of it because, um, but yeah, we try not to be on the podcast, put any sort of like, well, you should no longer eat sugar or you should, you know, you really need to get yourself on that keto diet and, and stay away from those carbs, you know? So uh, but definitely no formal stuff on the podcast as well. So, Well, building a healthy relationship with food is basically what you're promoting. And if you have a healthy relationship with food and you have an understanding of the science of how your body works, you can have those things. You can hit your and achieve and hit your goals and you can live a nice balanced life. That is exactly my whole philosophy in coaching. I think it's really important. So, yeah, I and think I sometimes just- people... I think sometimes people just have like a hard time. It's, it's real simple, but it's hard. To, it's simple to, to understand, but it's hard to do. So, like, yeah. and I think, I think people get a little annoyed at that. Like it's simple. It shouldn't be Absolutely. this simple. If I haven't figured it out yet, it, it, it must be way harder than this. And it's like, well, no, you just, you know, you just got to put in the effort and get and learn the new skill. All right. Good stuff, guys. Um, that's stoked athletics. And where do we find you? You can find me at, at the Stoked Brogy and the gym is at Stoked Athletics. Yeah, That's and then you can Patrick find Patrick the- Fitzpatrick, PFP. Sorry. <laughs> Damn it, Mike. Stop interrupting me. This is not our show. Uh, no, but you can find the podcast, uh, No Longer Novice, on both Instagram and TikTok. You can find me, Patrick Fitzpatrick, PFP, on Instagram. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at Patrick Fitzpat at PFP. I use that a lot less. I should use that more. And that's definitely in the cards, especially for my wrestling career. I need to be using that more. Uh, Yeah, and that's where you can find us all online. All right, then. Good stuff. And ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this episode, click subscribe, give us five stars, write a review, share this with a friend, and you'll hear us next week. 